Hey everybody, this is Lauren Akins and welcome back to the Live and Love Podcast. So I've got to sit down each week with my friends and family and this season we are talking about the different areas of our lives where we get to keep living in love. And we've also got some new things that we're going to get to share with y'all, things that you may not know, even if you've already read my book, Live in Love. And I'm Annie F. Downs, and I'm so excited to be here with Lauren and be with y'all as part of this season of this really special podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and do that today. We don't want you to miss a single episode. And there's all of season one, a lot of season two. There's lots for you to listen to. And if you haven't gotten your copy yet of Lauren's New York Times bestseller, Live in Love, just go to wherever you love to buy books, your favorite local bookstore or online, and grab your copy today. So, okay, Lauren, this is a show, we haven't done anything like this before, where we're sitting down and having a conversation about how to live in love in health. So who's joining us? Yeah, so I think this is going to be a fun conversation. It's going to be very different because this isn't something that I typically talk about publicly, but I'm bringing on today's episode, a friend of mine who happens to also be my nutritionist, Lee Bell, and we're going to talk about what it looks like for us to live in love in health. Okay, y'all, so before we begin, I want to talk to you about one of our partners, Crew. I cannot say it enough, but the Bible is such a big part of my life and my family's life, and so much of what living in love actually looks like for me, and especially for my family, is really because of what we learn from the Bible. But imagine for a second that you couldn't get a Bible, that you couldn't just hop on Amazon and order one, you can't get one at your local bookstore, or you just can't even afford one. Or what if you took it a step further? Imagine you aren't even allowed to have a Bible. Honestly, I think we forget that there are so many people all over the world who simply can't just get a Bible. And that's why we are so thrilled to partner with Crew. So Crew is one of the largest evangelical organizations with over 25,000 missionaries in almost every country. Crew is giving Bibles around the world to people in their own heart language. And in turn, they're sharing the hope of Jesus. But here's where they need your help. So for only $21 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $21 as a thank you, Crew will provide meals to 500 families through their humanitarian aid ministry. And you'll receive a copy of my book, Live in Love. Simply text LIVE to 71326 to help today. Imagine just how much this gift could really change somebody's life. So text LIVE to 71326. That's L-I-V-E to 71326 to help now. Or you can visit give.crew.org slash live. Um, okay, Lauren, tell me about Lee. Tell me who y'all are, how y'all are friends. So today we have my friend Lee on and she... This is going to be a very different episode, I feel like, because this is someone is not someone that I've grown up with personally through my life, but someone that I've met later in life who has really helped me on my health journey. So Lee is a nutritionist and she is, she has changed my life health wise. Really? And I will say I've never been, if you know me personally, I'm not somebody who like goes on a run every morning and, you know, is always like drinking a green smoothie first thing when I wake up. And like, you know, I'm the girl that every now and then I'll open up my freezer and pull out the ice cream and put some milk in it and mix it up and watch a movie um, and eat popcorn with my kids. And when I go to the movies, I drink a Dr. Pepper. And Mm. so I live a pretty normal life, but Lee is someone who has really helped me see the bigger picture of health and life and like what are your goals what do you how do you want to feel how do you want to look how do you want to 
what do you want to be for your kids in, yeah. in 30 years? And um, I met her through a mutual friend, a guy friend, actually. And um, I'm just so excited for us to be able to pick her brain because I think this will be such an interesting dynamic to bring mm-hmm. to our listeners. So thanks for being here, Lee. Lee, I have a quick question for you as we're getting started. So many of our friends listening, probably all of us, have thoughts about our own bodies and have a lot of thoughts about food. How do we have healthy conversations about being healthy? Well, you know, I would say that um, these things are very individualized by nature, right? Everyone has different needs based on their age, their health histories, their family history, their personal health goals, you know, your palate, right? What, you know, your lifestyle, And I would say that the conversation really needs to start with what you're doing currently, right? What what are you doing currently? And where are the avenues for improvement, right? I very rarely get somebody that comes into the clinic. And, you know, my background is in clinical nutrition. So I'm really educated and wired to work with patients with, for the most part, complex health conditions and how we can improve the quality of their lives and vitality through dietary choices and lifestyle management, right? This is fundamentally about the rituals that all of us have, right? Some rituals work for you and some of them work against you, but at the end of the day, they're all rituals. I always tell patients in the clinic, you know, good habits are just as addictive as the crappy ones. So it's really a question of taking a look at where you're starting and identifying what those goals look like moving forward and then adopting a strategy through, I would say, you know, cutting edge ideas on um, how we eat, what we eat, and then, um, you know, how to actually implement those into somebody's daily life. Lauren, why did you reach out to Lee? Initially, I think I, I'm trying to remember if we've talked about this on our podcast yet, but when I got pregnant with Ada James, I gained almost 80 pounds mm-hmm. through that pregnancy. And for those of you who have not been pregnant before, that is extremely unhealthy <laughs> and not something that anyone recommends doing. I think right now, typically a, like a healthy weight gain for pregnancy is around 25, 30 pounds. Um, it's very impressive by the way. Well done. <laughs> it was really something. Yeah. yeah. Don't they say guys go, go big or go home? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I had everyone telling me you're eating for two and this is what you're supposed to do when you're pregnant. And this is the only time you get to eat whatever you want and not feel bad about it. And so I was hearing all of these things. And then if, if you know, my mom, she is like, a, a very naturally beautiful woman. And she's also not somebody who avidly works out. Uh-huh. It's just the way that she was made. Yeah. It just is natural for her to look like she's very fit. Um, whether or not she's healthy inside, outside, she looks very fit. And so I had a lot of people say, you're going to be just like her. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And I listened to all of those people And thinking like, yeah, this weight will just shed right off after I have Ada James. And it was, that was not the case actually at all. Um, I actually didn't stop. I didn't start losing any weight until I quit breastfeeding, which was also something that everyone said. Yeah. Right. Says that when you do that, yeah, it just falls off. Yeah. 
It did not happen for me. And so at the end of breastfeeding Ada James, I was looking at about 65 pounds to lose. Um, and for somebody who eats what they want for the most part and is not a crazy workout fanatic, yeah, I, that was extremely hard for me. And I was like, okay, that was the moment I realized I am Lauren. I'm not my mom, Lisa. I'm not my sister, Macy. I'm not my friends who just naturally work out and, and love it. Um, so I had to quit comparing myself to everybody else. And I really had to look at me and go, okay, I probably could have gained some weight. I could have stood to gain a little bit of weight before I got pregnant with Ada James. I was pretty thin, but you were also going through a lot because you were adopting a lot going on, but I knew that I was not the healthiest version of Lauren at that point. And I just didn't know how to get to that. I knew that I needed to implement some form of exercise because that's just healthy in general, not to look good, but because I want to be a healthy mom for my kids and my Mm -hmm. grandkids. Mm -hmm. And, and I knew that I did want to not fit into my pre-pregnancy clothes, but I knew I wanted to look a little bit different than the way that I looked. It just, I didn't feel like me. And so when I met Lee, I just was very honest and I was like, I don't really know what to do. I've never been good at dieting. That's not something that I stick to because I enjoy food too much. And so she was just very honest with me and helpful. And I felt like it was in bite-size increments to where it wasn't like I was staring down this long road of it feels impossible to get there. Mm. She was very good and is very good at giving you really small goals and being honest with you like, hey, you don't love this. Okay, let's find another way to do it. You don't like to do this exercise. Let's pick something else. Yeah. Like she's very much able to tap into what makes you you and help you execute the healthiest version of you by getting to know you. This is the first time ever that I've started to really enjoy being active and enjoy eating things that are good for me and looking at the ice cream and going like, Hey, you know what? Not right now. And I'm okay with that. And then other times where I'm like, I can't hold myself back. I have to have it. And then getting on a phone call with her a couple of days later and be like, Hey, I had a bad couple of days. What's a good way to help me like kind of clean back up and get back on the right track. And she just, I love how she always makes me feel like I'm successful. Mm -hmm. Even when I've done the things that I'm like, I shouldn't have done that. She's like, don't beat yourself up. Yeah. We're all human. Let's figure out where to go from here. Yeah. Lee, will you talk about that for a second? Because even listening to Lauren, when she's saying good and bad and things she should do, like what's the language you're using to help us to help Lauren be more graceful with herself about eating and exercise? Well, I would say that, you know, from probably at this point, you know, working with, gosh, I would say a minimum of 10,000 patients over the years. (gasps) Oh my gosh. I'm a big collector of, you know, information about what it means to be human. Yeah. Nobody wants to overeat. Nobody wants to overeat to the extent where they're overweight, right? We're all kind of doing the best that we can. And so I feel that fundamentally my job first and foremost is to just be an educator. I'm not, I'm not sitting in judgment, right? I kind of view my role in our patients' lives as I'm like a Sherpa, 
<laughs> right? I'm just here to figure out how to take you to the top of the mountain, regardless of what it takes to get there. And, you know, a lot of these, I don't even want to characterize them as missteps, right? Because one of the reasons why I tend to work with patients long-term is because patients also have to have enough time to experience setbacks, right? Just real life. How do you navigate a day, let's say, that doesn't go so well with whatever your dietary plan might have been? How do you navigate holidays, birthdays, right? Kids' birthday parties, you know, what do you do on Thanksgiving? What do you do on the day after? So I really view my participation or rather collaboration with patients as providing them with the skills they need to be able to manage this stuff on their own, right? Where they can go through, you know, one of the things I do, and I'm sure I did this with you, Lauren, at some point was, you know, if you feel that prompt for, you know, a trigger for ice cream, right? Which I don't believe in never having, you know, excluding anything from the diet, but let's say it's a time of day when maybe that's not ideal or not within the framework of what we're doing in terms of a dietary strategy. I always have patients go through this checklist, you know, how do you legitimize your hunger, right? It's about becoming more conscious of those dietary choices. You ask yourself these questions, could I be thirsty, right? Could that be what this is? Mm. Could I be tired? Could that be what this is about, right? Could I just be crabby? Could I just want to coat my nerves with something? You know, and one of the ways that I empower patients by going through these checklists with them and then ultimately teaching them how to do this is you know, the antidote to fatigue, thirst, or crankiness isn't food. Mm. Might feel good temporarily, but I want patients to make decisions about food from a more conscious place. And if the answer, let's say, is no, I'm legitimately hungry, right, at three o'clock in the afternoon after I had lunch an hour prior to, you ask yourself, can this wait? Is this is this something that can wait, or do I have to do it right in the moment? So I think it's really about this scientific piece, right? What do we know works to heal the gut, to regulate glucose? and to reduce inflammation in the body and find that when we can do those three things with diet, the body will follow in kind in terms of weight. But then I tend to couple my work with this cognitive behavioral therapy piece, which is educating and empowering patients to fundamentally make better decisions for themselves, right? Because I hear from a lot of people, I think maybe you even said this at one point, Lauren, like, I feel like you whisper in my ear sometimes. Lauren, are you sure you want to do that? Yeah, are you sure that you want to do that? Are you making this decision from a place of consciousness? Can this indulgence wait? So it's really about empowering patients through education and cognitive behavioral therapy, right? Not the kind of therapy, let's say, where we talk about our mothers, although I'm, I'm okay with that too. I'm really talking about how do we build concrete skills to navigate dietary choices all day long. I think about that. We may have talked about this, Lauren, either on the pot or in real life, but halt, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Yes. It helps me so much Yeah, because I'm able, and I love the way you're phrasing that, Lee, that you're not saying you should never have the thing you want to eat that's coming to your mind or drink that you're saying, can it wait? Yeah. Yeah. That's helped me so much. Really? Because, Because in the moment, I feel like so much of what I used to do was just like knee jerk reactions. Like, oh, I kind of feel this. I'm just going to do that. Yeah. And just like not taking a beat and asking yourself the questions or even just going like, can this wait? Do I have to have this right now? And usually the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Occasionally it has been like, 
uh, yeah, I yeah. need that right this second, and uh, I'm I'm gonna have a little bit of it, and I'm and I'm gonna do it, and and it and it's okay. Yeah, but I do think just stopping asking the questions that she's been so good about teaching me um, ha- has made a huge difference, and just like those little small decisions during the day really i mean it did totally added up the first time i started working with her um she helped me get to a an, a very healthy place and and she made me not feel bad about spending money on the thing that i knew would make me healthier like i bought a peloton yeah um because i knew i didn't like to go to gyms I knew running outside in our neighborhood would work sometimes, but I don't always love to run. And, and even your driveway is very hilly. Just getting out of the driveway. <laughs> I like the sound of that already. Why a Peloton? Why a bike? I think because I knew that I could go into a room in my house and be on a Peloton. And and she would even encourage me, like, just if you can just work, you know, work out for 10 or 15 minutes. If you're just having a day where you just feel like you can't fit it in or you're not feeling well, just get on it for 10 or 15 minutes Mm. and just, just small things. But then when you feel like you've got the stamina to do a little more, like you should start to push yourself. And, but I got to where I wanted to, instead of it feeling like a chore because I started to feel different. And, and that I think was the motivation I needed somebody like Lee to come alongside and encourage me and to educate me. But then also for myself to be like, okay, this isn't going from zero to a hundred all of a sudden. And I am starting to enjoy this part of it. So if you know this works for you, keep going with what yeah. works for you. And so I I bought a Peloton and I really love it. I haven't got to use it a ton this pregnancy. Well, I was about to say you're so very sick. pregnant and you're sick. <laughs> but but even that, like knowing that I don't have the capacity to ride a Peloton because I'm throwing my guts up Mm. most days, even just her having the grace for me being like, let's figure out what you can do. Let's figure out what you are okay to, or just even if it's just managing what you consume and how you're sleeping and how much fluid you're drinking, let's control the things we can and start there. It never feels like this hurdle that I can't get over. Everything, Mm. every goal she gives me is something that's like, that is so doable. I can do that this week. Yeah. And that's what I need. I'm, I will get discouraged in two seconds flat personally, if it looks like a giant mountain I have to climb and I'll just find every excuse in the world as to why I am not going to be able to do it. Yeah. Lee, I, so I don't live with anyone else, so I can make my own schedule when it comes to working out and exercising and eating. Lauren, obviously you have Thomas Rhett, you have all the girls, you have Macy, your family, Mm -hmm. you have a lot of people in y'all's lives. Lee, when you talk to people like Lauren, who, and so many of our friends listening, there are a lot of people in their homes. How do you make healthy choices for yourself if everybody in your house isn't eating the same way or exercising the same way? Yeah, that's an excellent question and something that I think is really relevant. And by the way, you have a tremendous luxury, Annie, by not having anyone else that you have oh, taken into <laughs> consideration. Um, but I would say this. One of the things that I work on usually in one of the initial sessions is the importance of controlling your food environment. So one of the things, Annie, you and I were talking about earlier was this idea of framing first and foremost what it actually means to be human and what the challenges are in 
what I would call an obesogenic environment, right? We live yes, in an I environment. I was hoping you talk about this, yeah. Yeah, this is, a, this is an environment that is really stacked against us because the human brain is really wired to want to eat every single thing it sees. And that's because we aren't designed to live in an environment where we see it very often, right? Because it was this was all about the propagation of the species. Humans had to survive. And every organism, whether they're human or whether it's an amoeba, is designed to survive. And so in the service of that, we're made in a way that we're wired to see, to want to wanna eat everything we see because we're not wired to see it very often. But what happens when you take that very primitive idea, that very primitive mind, and move it into this world of abundance, where everywhere we go, we're presented with opportunities to eat. Snacking, oddly enough, was not something that came about in the United States until the late 70s, early 80s. Prior to that, Americans were obsessed with what we called the three squares, right? Three square meals a day is how most of us were raised. Late 70s, early 1980s, the big food industry got this idea that, look, we could contribute heavily to our bottom line by starting to take these big bags of processed food and putting them in smaller, more portable, portable portions so that when we encourage the American public to eat more often, they're going to be able to access something at the ready. And it's been absolutely devastating for human health. This idea that we need to eat every couple of hours is wildly incompatible with how humans are wired. Okay. So I would say that, you know, how do I know this to be true? I can go out for a meal with my husband and have a perfectly satisfying meal. And then we're waiting for the check. And then the couple next to us gets their meal served. And I think to myself, wow, I could eat that right now. (laughs) Right. I'm like full, you know, I'm stuck. And I, I could still eat that. And so to that end, when we look at that in microcosm, right, how we manage a food environment, especially when we live with those with different uh, dietary um, needs, I always will have patients clean out refrigerator and pantry. We know this based on food psychology, that eight out of 10 times you open up a refrigerator or pantry, you are going to select to eat the very first thing you laid eyes on. This is absolutely fascinating and mysterious, by the way. fascinating. Yeah, it's mysterious that if the first thing you see when you open up the fridge is, you know, strawberry yogurt, and then you spend the next eight minutes foraging through the fridge, opening drawers, looking on shelves, somehow mysteriously, eight out of 10 times, you end up taking strawberry yogurt. Yogurt. So one of the things that's really important is to make sure whatever you see when you open up a refrigerator or pantry is compatible with cleaner eating, right? Make sure that whatever the brain is stimulated by is going to be something that makes sense for you to eat. It's why I hide my Oreos because I can, I barely forget about them, but I can, (laughs) I can. But if I see them, we're done for. You made my point. Um, For people who live with those with different dietary habits or needs, I always recommend, especially for, you know, those with young kids in the house or even teenagers, or even husbands, let's say, that have different eating habits, always create a filing system essentially in your refrigerator or pantry where those foods are relegated to one drawer or two drawers that kind of become your no-go zone. You know, I have two hypermetabolic kids, two sons that have these crazy calorie-seeking brains. I bring their food home, I put it in drawers, 
that are specifically for them. And then I just don't go there anymore. Huh. Okay. Once I bring it home, that's their, their zone. I don't, I don't forage for food there for myself. Yeah. So make sure that you pay a little bit of attention to controlling your food environment. That means, you know, a lot of offices. I notice I'll walk by a desk, big bowls of candy. Yeah. Right. Some people keep, you know, big bowls of fruit or nuts. It's a very good idea to keep all food behind closed doors. Again, dialing back to this idea that it's really, you know, the way that we're wired is the brain is really turned on by just the sight of food. That's brilliant. Yeah. Cause you think I should put a bowl of fruit out here uh-huh. so that they pick fruit, but the better thing is don't have anything out. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Lee, how much do we owe you? <laughs> Flowers there instead. The craziest thing is that people will come in and tell me I can't stop eating candy. And I go, well, where do you have access to it? Well, I keep a giant bowl of it on my desk. (laughs) (laughs) Great. You know what? Let's start there. Yeah. Let's start there. (laughs) I mean, but little nuggets that Lee will just spit out. That's just like, oh, did you know? Oh, this, there's this fact. Oh, this might help you. All of it has been so mind blowing. Yeah. But it's so simple. Lee, where should I put my bananas? (laughs) Well, I would put them behind closed doors. Okay. I, I would absolutely, better yet, I think what I would do with them is I would, you know, cut them into large pieces and put them in a bag and keep them in the freezer is what I, is, yeah. is what I would do with it. Yeah. Lee's like, Annie, I don't want you to have bananas. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's a subject for another conversation. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I knew you're anti-banana, Lee. <laughs> I knew you're anti-banana. By no means of anti-banana, but I will say this. I do believe in the moderation. I don't believe, put it this way, I don't believe that fruit is a health food. Mm. Fruit is notorious for raising uric acid. And so it's not that I'm advocating no fruit in the diet, but I do think that we need a lower glycemic approach to fruit and to moderate fruit. Fruit is not you know, nature's candy, or maybe I should say it is nature's candy. I mean, it's still, I think fruit has to be moderated. Fruit can actually derail a lot of our efforts to uh, maximize body weight because we think, you know, it's a license to steal. You can eat as much of it as you want. And most people can't. Yeah. This is our first anti-banana show we've ever done. That's right. (laughs) Sort of, sort of anti-banana. Yeah. Just going to take a quick break from my conversation to tell you about America's number one meal kit and today's sponsor, HelloFresh. So this week, we're about to gather around the table for our favorite Thanksgiving dishes. But what about all the other meals you have to plan for? With HelloFresh, you can still count on your favorite seasonal recipes like pumpkin cinnamon rolls and Friendsgiving ready sides, as well as fresh, high quality ingredients that travel from the farm to your front door in less than a week. With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. They offer the flexibility you need to easily customize your order on the app within minutes. Easily change your delivery day, food preferences, and plan size, or you can skip a week whenever you need to. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week. From vegetarian meals to calorie smart choices to extra special gourmet options with recipes designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. And we usually spend a lot of time in the kitchen around the holidays and I love that I can always include my girls when we're cooking 
And because everything is already pre-measured, I never have to worry about them adding too much or too little, and that dinner will still taste amazing. We love a company that gives back, and HelloFresh has already donated over 4 million meals to charity in 2020, and now they're stepping up food donations to local communities amid the food insecurity crisis and pandemic. So now, you too can enjoy more time with the family and less time planning. Just go to HelloFresh.com slash LiveInLove14, as in the number 14, and use the promo code LiveInLove14 for 14 free meals, including free shipping. That's 14 free meals and free shipping just by visiting HelloFresh.com slash LiveInLove14. Again, that's the number 14. And using the promo code LiveInLove14. Now back to the show. Lauren, how do you feel, like how different does your body feel on the inside? Can you tell a difference in like your energy or your, how your, your systems feel like they're running when you've changed how you are eating and exercising? My mind is clearer. I sleep better. I'm in a better mood usually. And once you get on that track of like feeding your body, what helps it to operate optimally, I feel like you start to crave the more of the good thing. Yeah. And I don't I I don't know how else to explain it other yeah. than I just it 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 worked. The things that she would tell me, teach me like week by week. This week let's try this. Next week we'll do this. Baby steps. It it just it worked. And and it made me seeing results was like, whoa, I feel like a new person. Mm. I feel like I can wake up and be more ready for the day instead of like waking up super groggy. And, um, a lot of times I would start waking up right before my alarm would go off and I would just like pop out of bed. Wow. And, um, <laughs> and I remember telling her that one time and she said something to the effect of like, well, yes, because that's the way your body is supposed to work. Mm. Like your, your, your body is working the way that it was designed to work the way that God made your body to work. Those you're putting in the things that help it to function and that aren't hurting it. Mm-hmm. And um, is that truly that you'll kind of crave what you feed yourself? Well, I would say that there's something, again, this goes back to this idea that good habits are just as addictive as the lousy ones, mm-hmm. right? I think when you have, we are creatures that are at the mercy of momentum, right? Mm-hmm. Once you start to recognize that food is just information, right? Food is just data. What's the information you give your body when you're having something that's nutrient dense, that actually nourishes the body versus something that detracts from the body? You know, what I, what I always want patients to write down, I don't know if you remember this, Lauren, is that everything you eat is either health promoting or disease promoting. Oh gosh. Oh no. Anti-bananas. <laughs> it's hard to get away from, you know, when you come to this from a place, and I will tell you this, in my own life, I, I still ask myself, that often. And sometimes the answer is, yeah, I'm willing to promote disease right now. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. You know, so there isn't this expectation that you have to run a perfect race. I like this sort of 90-10 principle that 90% of the time we opt for gut healing, glucose regulating, anti-inflammatory diet. 10% of the time it's soul food, right? Because as much as we're a body, we're also a soul. And sometimes you know, you need whatever those things are, fill in the blank, ice cream or pizza or whatever those things are. And I find that frequently indulging in that 10% will keep you far more invested in that other 90. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Did you experience that, Lauren? Yes. Well, because I think in the past when I've been like, all right, that's it. I'm cutting this out. 
and I'm not doing it anymore. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. You have to like let yourself be human a little bit. And like Lisa's, you know, feed your soul. Like when you're out celebrating a friend and you want to have a margarita, mm-hmm. have a margarita. Mm-hmm. Like, but but I think one thing that she's taught me is plan for those days. Like plan for the day that you know I'm going out with my girlfriends here. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna plan for that. Yeah. So I'm gonna, and this is something that Mackenzie, our nanny, as also uh, knows Lee really well. And um, I don't think Mackenzie will mind me saying this, but she is so good about coming in to work. And, you know, she's helping me with my kids a lot. Yeah. So there's a lot of kid food around, which is a whole separate conversation. But she's so good at being like, oh, no, I'm going out and doing this tonight. So I'm, I'm being, you know, today I'm not having this or I'm not having that or I've already had my blah, blah, blah for the day. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting till dinner tonight because mm-hmm. I know I, I'm already know what I'm going to order on the menu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then it makes it like exciting to be like, this is my, it's like a gift to yourself. Like yeah. I've, I've done, I've put in the work. I've done the things that I want to do for myself and now I'm going to celebrate. And, and then it, it, it is this little bit of give and take to where it's not impossible. And you're not looking at the thing that you love the most and being like, we can never be friends again. You know, you're like, we're always friends. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Lee, in our own lives, I'm wondering about some of our friends listening. How do we determine, like when Lauren said that of like, I'm not going to do this for 30 days, or I'm going to walk all the way away from this thing. And But with food, unlike other things like alcohol or drugs, you know, if you feel addicted to either of those, you can leave them forever. If you feel addicted to food, you can't leave food. So how do we identify if if what we're feeling with food is really kind of an addiction that needs to be dealt with? You know, it's a a really good question. Something that I talk to patients about often that, uh, you know, if right alcohol is your addiction and you decide I'm never going to step foot in a bar again, That's one thing, but food is always that thing that has to be, you know, we have to learn how to manage it. We have to learn how to make peace with food. I think that, you know, in my line of work, I think there is a high percentage of the patients that I work with that I would describe as addicted to food. You know, it also happens to be one of the things I think that's not very stigmatized in our society, right? If somebody says, you know, I'm smoking weed all day, or I'm, you know, I'm a six to eight shots of whiskey a day. It's a very different kind of admission than, you know what, I've had a bad day and I'm going to go grab a, you know, a muffin at Starbucks. But I think that, you know, how do we define addiction in general? I mean, it really is just about, you know, one of the things that I do, I will tell you to sort of derail the desire to opt for food, right? At, let's say inopportune times over the course of the day, because I'm a big stickler for not just what we eat, but also how and how many food opportunities we take over the course of the day. So one of the things I do to help patients gain a much greater sense of control, I have all patients fill out an index card that they keep with them all the time. Front of the index card, is going to be a list of reasons why optimizing health, vitality, and weight matter to somebody as an individual, right? What are the things that are more important than the muffin from Starbucks? Maybe it's, I want to be fully present for my children. Maybe it's, I want to look hot for my husband. Maybe it's, 
I don't want to be part of the medical establishment as I get older and be on a handful of medications by the time I'm 50. Maybe it's I just want to be able to walk into a store and buy whatever I want to. So it really ranges from the more serious, you know, disease avoidance through, I'd say, really superficial, just wanting to feel good in your own skin. On the back of that index card, I always have patients list what are the half dozen things that you find soothing, right? How can you comfort yourself without food? What are the things? And this is so remarkable. You know, I used to ask patients pre-COVID when we had, you know, tons of people coming to the clinic. Now I do lots of telemedicine, but I'd ask them, you know, what are the things that you 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 find comfort in that uh, that have nothing to do with food, alcohol, or caffeine? And I'm going to say somewhere on the order of 60% of people give me the same answer. You guys have any idea what it is? Oh, what would it be if it's not alcohol, food, or caffeine? Uh, hugs? Is that a ch- cheesy? I, I love that. I wish I that's that. what it was. But the answer <laughs> is when I, when I ask them, you know, what do you find pleasure in outside of food, caffeine, and alcohol? The answer is I don't know. Oh. oh. So does that mean we're healthier that we both had an answer? <laughs> I mean, you wish I would pick hugs over Oreos, by the way, just to be clear. Yes. <laughs> and shopping over bananas. <laughs> but most people say, I don't know, Lee. Yeah. And I tell them, you know, it's a really big world out there. There are foreign languages to learn. There's, you know, you can learn to knit. You can go out with friends. You can, there's so many things that we can find to nourish our bodies, our spirits, our souls that have nothing to do with food, alcohol, or caffeine. Yeah. But this is the sh- really the shift that we've seen in our society is a lot of reliance on those three things. I do find that this simple strategy of keeping an index card with you and having a physical reminder of, number one, why you care about optimizing health, And on the flip side, what you can do to soothe yourself will shake most people into a different kind of consciousness where they go, oh, okay, that's right. That's right. This is why I'm doing it. And I think I'm going to go shoe shopping instead of going to Starbucks for the muffin. Lauren, where does your faith play into this? Like, where does your faith run into how you treat your body? I think I kind of feel the same way about like my body and also like the planet that we live on. It's like, I feel like the Lord has given us such a gift in an, in an able body. Yeah. Yes. And such a gift in a healthy planet that it is our job to take care of our body. It is our Mm. job to take care of, of the gifts that he's given us and steward them well. And, um, I kind of came to the same realization of both of these things at once. It's like he created all of this to be beautiful and, and to work and to be good. Mm-hmm. And so kind of at the same time where I was like, we really need to be more conscious about like what we're putting out into the world and like what we're doing to our environment and what we're, and what we're putting in our bodies and how we're treating our bodies. And, um, I just, I don't know, I, this was probably three or four years ago where I started to like really feel convicted and, I think a lot of it too was getting to travel so much of the world and just mm-hmm. seeing the beauty of the world and then seeing how we so quickly can destroy things. Yeah. And then that also translated over into bodies. It's just like when I saw how quickly my body shifted in that pregnancy, it was like, whoa, mm-hmm. I have a lot of control over what happens to the gifts that he's given me. And I don't want to stand in front of him one day and be like, yeah, 
I just treated it all like crap. Mm. And just to be clear, you're not equating beauty with thinness. You're equating beauty with health. Yes. Yeah. Just like. Because we don't want the earth to get smaller. We don't need people to necessarily get smaller or whatever. Yeah, We're just, it's just, we want it to be healthy. Just taking care of what you have. Yeah. And, um, and that looks so different for everyone. Yeah. But, but for me, it was, it was learning these little things of like, are you giving your body life? Yeah. Or are you promoting disease? It is really true. And And when she's talking about this index card, that was so much of where I came from was like, Because I believe that the Lord has given me a gift and an able body, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to disrespect him or his creation by just doing whatever I want to. And Mm -hmm. so that means disciplining myself a little bit more and, um, and, and then being healthy for my kids and being healthy when my grandkids are around. And, and then when me and Thomas Red are empty nesters, we can still go hike and we can still go travel and do the things that we love to do. Yeah. Um, and just setting yourself up for success later. But then also one thing that I love that she brought up is like, if you just want to look good for Thomas Rhett, like that's a good reason too. Mm. you know, like if, if, if it's not all the spiritual journey, it doesn't have to always be about a spiritual journey. It can also be like, I want this for my marriage. I want this. And probably that has a lot to do. I'm not married, but probably that has a lot to do with confidence. Like your body can show up a lot of sizes, but if you know you've put in time and effort, then you come in with confidence and that is what is most beautiful to your partner. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So before we continue into the rest of our conversation, I wanted to take a moment to tell you that today's podcast episode is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. So do you ever feel stretched too thin or in over your head? It is so helpful to have someone qualified and capable to process with in moments like that. I know I found that to be true with our counseling experience. And here's why BetterHelp is such a valued partner of ours. The best way to think about therapy is through a bunch of analogies. We get oil changes for our cars to prevent bigger issues down the road. We see the doctor and go to the gym to take care of our bodies and to prevent injury and disease. And we do chores regularly to avoid a messy house. Well, going to therapy is like all of the above. It's routine maintenance for your mental and emotional wellness to prevent bigger issues down the road. And going to therapy does not mean something's wrong with you. It means you're investing in yourself to keep your mind healthy. It's really important that you connect with and have a really great therapeutic match with your counselor. So BetterHelp makes it easy and free to change if you need to. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. And it's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Why invest in everything else and not your mind? This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Live and Love listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash live and love. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash live and love. And just to be clear, Thomas Rip has never like made me feel less than oh, in sure. any way. But I think especially as women, and I'm sure men struggle with this too in a lot of ways, there's always that voice in the back of your mind telling you that you're not good enough yes. and and you should do this better. And um, so really learning like the healthy side of like self-talk yeah. as well. How much does that matter, Lee? How much does how you talk to yourself about food and your body matter? I think it matters immensely. 
I mean, we all have those tapes, right? We all have those pre-recorded tapes. The idea is to take more sabotaging thoughts and shift them into areas that are more productive, right? It's sort of this idea of get out of the problem and, and stay focused more on solutions. And it's also one of the reasons why I like this idea of you know, short-term achievable goals, right? Things where we can succeed. We can succeed one step at a time. What's tough is, you know, I'm a former marathon runner. What's difficult is to think about running 26.2 miles. But if somebody said to me, just take it half a mile at a time, I think, yeah, I can do that. Can you run half mile? Yeah. Can you do it again? Yeah, I can. Can you do it again? Yeah, yeah I can. Um, but I think self-talk matters quite a bit and adopting a more healthy, you know, mindset about the journey. You know, and I think back to what Lauren was saying, I think I equate beauty with vitality, Mm. right? It's life force. Mm -hmm. It's spirit. It's that thing that transcends the physical, right? It's not to say that the physical stuff doesn't matter. I mean, we live in such a visual world. I, but to me, it's really about vitality and, and spirit. Yeah. Yeah, that, that feels really true. Lee, when, for our friends listening, when we talk about a healthy weight, you know, when we talk about like what your body does look like, how do we sort out that for ourselves? Is there like, is there always science to it? Is it as the world is changing? Is that kind of changing? Because language around it is changing. It feels like a lot of people are talking about body positivity and and that you can be any size and be beautiful, which I think is true. How do we find the the right weight that is really most optimum for our vitality for us to be here for a long time. Yeah, I would say that, you know, I like this idea of body positivity until it becomes extreme, mm-hmm. right? Where, um, and I think beauty is vastly different from health. And yes. the way that we determine, I'm not a big proponent of BMI, that body mass index, which a lot of people focus heavily on, right? That ratio of what your height and weight is and what you should roughly weigh. For me, it's really more about health is determined by body composition. So that means how much fat mass is on the body versus lean muscle mass and how heavy are your bones, right? Weight means very little. Weight is essentially just gravitational pull toward planet Earth, right? Right. (laughs) So you can have, in the spirit of this body composition, you know, you could have five women all at, you know, five foot five and, you know, 130 pounds and all of them are going to look different. You know, one of them you're going to pluck out and say, she looks maybe like she doesn't have enough body fat. Another one will look like they have too much, right? And then there are going to be those who look like they have just enough. So if the question is, you know, there is a certain kind of aesthetic, I think that everybody likes for themselves, right? A lot of us determine for ourselves. We look in the mirror, you see your silhouette, you, you know, you say, you know, I, I, I think I'd feel better if my silhouette was smaller, right? Or I have too much what I call body pudding, right? There's, <laughs> you know, too much, too much body pudding somewhere. Um, and for some rare individuals, you know, they look in the mirror and say there isn't enough. So I would say that does have some merit, but you know, my background is in autoimmune diseases, And also, I'm a diabetic educator. In addition to that, since I've been in Nashville, I work in cardiometabolic medicine. So that's really working with patients who have, you know, these things that sort of plague us as we inch toward middle age. 
um, high blood pressure, issues with cholesterol, and diabetic issues, right? Insulin resistance, prediabetes, and diabetic issues. And so I tend to come to this from a place of how do we diminish the probability of disease, right? What, what should we, how much fat mass should we, should we um, have or get rid of to diminish the probability of a disease state. And so I would say for everybody, it's different, but there are calculations on body fat measurements, right, that we can use. I do recommend that everyone um, invest in one of these BIA scales, these body impedance analysis scales, which give you more data than just weight. I think it's important to be able to know how much fat mass you have on the body and to stay in a, in a healthy range, which is broad, how much water you hold on to at any given time, you know, and how heavy your bones are, right? And so for me, it's, it's, it really isn't a number. It isn't about identifying a number. I mean, for the patients that I work with, I tend to like kind of a fighting weight and a walking weight, right? Kind of an ideal body weight that you can hit some of the time, but most of the time you're going to weigh this, you know, five pounds heavier, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to go between this five pound weight range. Fighting weight and walking weight. When I would go on the road on a weekend and come back and and like fall off the wagon so to speak and be like I just I don't feel good I ate like crap all weekend I am tired I'm groggy I have no motivation to get back on this train that we've been doing together and and Lee like kind of how you coached me through that like could you just like I can remember specifically going on the road and having that conversation of like, I did not have a good weekend. I did not do the things that I was supposed to do as far as like taking care of my body. And I didn't have the motivation to get back on the horse, so to speak. How, tell me if I were to say that to you today, Lee, how would you respond to me? And how would you encourage me to keep going? Because you did this for me so many times. And I think that's the point where a lot of people would fall away feeling that defeat or feeling like this is too hard or feeling like I'm not seeing movement and, and how you encourage people and keep the, that bigger index card picture in their mind of you're doing this for your kids or for me, like, you know, you're doing it for your kids, you're doing it for your marriage, you're doing it for the way God created your body and that you want to honor him in that. So can you speak to that a little bit and how you would respond to me if I were to call you and say that today. Yeah, I would say that first and foremost, we would review really what it means to be human. And to be human is to be imperfect. And to be imperfect is to embrace this idea that we are engaged in a process, right? And there's no expectation that a process unfolds in a linear fashion, right? A process isn't about just steps uh, forward, sometimes we take a couple steps backwards. And typically what I would do is we review, you know, what the behavior was, right? What, what kind of, you know, led to those choices. And then we would talk about, again, what's on that index card, identify why it matters for you to get the train out of the station again, right? Because I think ultimately that's where this all starts, that people have to identify why it matters to them to hit their target. And you really have to, I think, identify profoundly with what that is, 
right? If your commitment is or your desire is to stay out of the medical system and be on a bunch of medications as you age, if your commitment is I want to show up fully present and fully vital for my my kids, I think that, you know, again, this is all connected. That yeah. humans, I always say, we're just hairless monkeys, right? Mm-hmm. When we have an impulse to do something or an impulse to get something, we want it to happen immediately. We love instant gratification, mm-hmm. right? Okay. But we never really take into consideration the consequences of that. Yeah. And so what I would do is we'd review again why all of this matters to you. We'd figure out again what you find comfort in that have nothing to do with food. And then I think what I would tell you is something that I end up telling almost everybody that I work with. And this is really about the power of choice, right? Of conscious choice. It's a very well-known Austrian neurologist, psychologist, and Holocaust survivor by the name of Viktor Frankl. Yeah. This brilliant guy. And he said, between stimulus and response, there's a space And in that space is our power as individuals to choose our response. And it's in that response lies our growth and our freedom, which essentially means that if you have the impulse to make a certain kind of dietary choice, or maybe it's alcohol, or maybe it's something you know doesn't serve you, always remember to put a space in between that trigger and what you choose to do. That ultimately, what he's saying very eloquently is come to choices from a place of consciousness and a place of awareness. And I think this dovetails really nicely, Lauren, into what you were saying earlier about faith. That to me, we have to approach, my uh, opinion anyway, life from a holier place. Mm-hmm. Right? I look at, I'm a, I love dogs. I have a little, you know, what I call Jack Russell terrorist. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if I opened up, he weighs 25 pounds. If I opened up a 50-pound sack of kibble, he would eat it until he died. Mm -hmm. He would eat it and eat it and eat it until he couldn't eat anymore. And every time I see the way he goes through his bowl of food, I think to myself, that's very primitive. His way of eating is very primitive. I am created in the image of God. I need to approach this from a place that I include something divine, right? And that means gratitude, that means breathing, and that means coming to food from a place of consciousness and choice and enjoyment and, you know, just approaching it from from a different place. That's good. That's really good. It's okay. So you may have a very similar answer to this question that I ask at the end of every episode, but how would you say that you best live in love in your personal health, Lee? I would say it's ultimately from a place, and this is going to sound really contradictory to everything that we've talked about because everything we've talked about has been about consciousness, right? Coming to all of this from a place of consciousness. But I would say there is also a very big part of my life that's about surrender, mm right? That I think, especially as kind of a newly married person, it's, it's really to, to be able to live from a place where we also surrender, right? Where it's just a place that's completely open and that we love fully and thoroughly. And, and, uh, I actually just saw, I went to the university of Texas graduation two weeks ago 
And Brene Brown happened to be the speaker. Wow. And that's all she talked about was the importance of surrendering and being so open and loving fully and living fearlessly, yeah. right? And I, I try every day to come to life and love and food from that place. That's beautiful. That is. Lauren, what do you think? How do you live in love in health? I think for me, it is, especially in this stage of life now, it is tying all of those things in in my life that are most important, mm -hmm. which is my marriage and my family, of course, but also my relationship with Jesus. And I find that the more I'm taking care of, like I said earlier, the gifts that he's given me mm -hmm. and stewarding the things that he has put in my life well and from a place of love. Um, of course, that's like my relationship with him, my relationship with my kids, my relationship with my husband and my marriage. Um, but it also goes back to making the world a better place and and how I'm treating my body. Yeah, like your relationship with yourself. Yes. Yeah. And so, so much of living in love and health is really just the, the things that Lee's talked about today. Like, how do I make sure that I am not becoming that statistic in my 60s to where I'm having to rely on medication to yeah. be alive and healthy? And, you know, God created my body for good and you know, so many people. And it's have, done amazing things. You're having your third kid. It's amazing. Right. Yeah. But, but what you do for your body and for your mind and for your soul is going to affect your life, obviously, over the next however many years you're alive. But I just feel like it is my job to take care of the things that he has given me and my body and my mind and my spirituality is a huge gift. Mm -hmm. And, and if I'm not treating it well, what does that say about how I view his creation and what he's given me, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so I have really loved getting to work with Lee and just getting to learn about how things work and how to think and how, how our minds work. And, and so that is, that has become a huge part of what living in love look, look, looks like for me is taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. And Lee has been a huge part of that. So thank you so much for being here today, Lee. We really enjoyed getting to talk with you. Gosh, my pleasure, guys. Hey, y'all, don't forget to partner with our friends at Crew. For only $21 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $21, as a thank you, Crew will provide meals to five hungry families through their humanitarian aid ministry. And you'll receive a copy of my book, Live in Love. All you have to do is text LIVE to 71326 to help today. Imagine how much this gift could really change someone's life. So text LIVE to 71326, that's L-I-V-E, to 71326 to help now, or you can visit give.crew.org slash live. Thank y'all so much for listening. I have loved getting to share these conversations with you. And just a reminder that you can pick up your copy of my book, Live in Love, if you haven't yet. And I really hope that you're going to join us next week for our episode of the Live in Love podcast, where we get to talk about what it means to live in love in story.